Greetings, citizens, and welcome to episode 118 of Paranoia, Fight Together, or Die a Clone. This is not one of those episodes where I finish my introduction with da 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 da, and then we actually do the episode, because it's just me. Similar to episode 93.5, this is the episode where I will describe what actually was going on in this mission. Dissimilar to episode 93.5, I decided to not do a .5, because... I guess I feel like this one is actually kind of vital, because there's so much going on in this one that didn't get revealed at all, as opposed to just some interesting backstory and a more complete picture for Mission 7. Of course, that's subjective, I suppose, but also, I guess I thought about it, and I don't really like it when stuff has .5 episodes, because then I get confused, because my brain doesn't work. So maybe it would be less confusing if I didn't do that either. Anyways, let's get started. So this mission was too long. Uh, my intention was really that the players would ignore stuff, although they didn't ignore the things I thought they would, and they ignored things that I didn't think they would, so what the hell do I know? First, I want to talk a little bit about the design process. I don't remember quite why I decided that a Wild West episode would be funny. I remember thinking of a character called Houston from Sector TXS. That really tickled me. I also remember thinking that it would be an interesting challenge to have the characters deal with a character who they can't just shoot, who will win a fight every time, unless they do something very smart or sneaky. And I remember thinking, you know, it wouldn't be fair if I had that character trying to kill them, which was my initial idea, because that's just going to go through a lot of their clones without really much of any chance for them to not die. And I always like there to be a chance for the players to not die, you know, a small one. Eventually, I sort of settled on the idea of a town with some strange mysteries in it that the players would have to investigate. From there, various elements started to fall into place. Obviously, I wanted a saloon scene. There had to be a sheriff. Oil wells are just funny to me. I don't know why, but they always seem to house some kind of humor, no matter what the situation is. I really can't explain that one. I might just be deranged. Anyways, I tried to brainstorm whether I should describe things in the order I came up with them, like I'm doing now. The order the players found them, the order I wrote them in the book that they were supposed to happen, or chronologically? Um, I think I might try to do a couple different things here. So first, let's talk about the various main elements of the town. Uh, I think those are probably what people are most interested in. I would say that the Bradley Brothers was fairly well covered. Probably it's the freshest in your memory. Most things that I think of, no matter how interesting or intricate they may seem, usually stem from my brain thinking of a couple of words that are funny to me. I was listening to a song which happened to mention the Bradley Brothers, and I thought to myself, I like that name. Who are these Bradley Brothers? It turns out all the characters in that song were actual people, and it is about the history of synthetic music. And uh, I could probably go on for a really long time about it because it's really fascinating, but I decided I'm going to have some Bradley Brothers in this town. And they're going to have music. And also, uh, earthquake. I, I, I don't remember how that happened, sorry. But, oh, oh, uh, here's what I do remember. Their machine, or at least the general concept of it, is something that I stole quite blatantly, but no one will ever know I stole it because they didn't end up using it to do the thing that it does, which is the idea that I stole. But I'm telling you now, so you will all know that I lifted this out of one of my favorite uh, no, I can't say that in good faith. One of my favorite parts of a game, not favorite games, mind you, which is the fourth Mist game, 
where one of the brothers, haha brothers, creates a musical organ of sorts which can play frequencies which will annihilate certain types of material based on how you tune it. He uses this to make some rocks explode so he can leave. Um, the Bradley brothers are using this pretty much purely for research purposes, actually. They are taking over from another researcher, who I never gave a name to because they're not very important, who uh, annihilated themselves by fitting his device with some organic substances, uh, turning it on, and annihilating himself and everyone around him for a large radius. They are being somewhat more careful, and they have a list of materials and their frequencies, as well as some notches built into their machine uh, with little pegs so that you cannot adjust the strings of the instrument to those frequencies for substances like dirt or rocks, which would be bad things to disintegrate in the entire radius of the town. They are currently trying to learn the frequencies for a very specific type of crystal, which you may remember, which is why they had all those crystal pieces arranged in their machine, but they were missing one, which is a detail that Kyle didn't notice because he didn't have time to very thoroughly inspect the machine. Those puzzle pieces that I mentioned that uh, never got used were the pegs in the machine which would prevent the players from annihilating stupid things unless they very specifically pull out the pegs that say, don't pull this out, tune the machine to that frequency, and use it. If they do all those steps, I would have safely said that it is their own fucking fault that they destroyed the entire town and got themselves all erased. So, you know. Uh, and that's basically it. The sheriff does actually know what they're doing, but he is being paid off to leave them alone. Or rather, it's not that he's being paid off. He would probably get erased forever if he tried to stop them because they are way over his head. So he just accepts that they bring in some revenue by paying their rent and running the store, which is their cover story. And he turns his head the other direction when it comes to the music and earthquakes. Houston is also in on this. He and the sheriff are, I think, the only ones who know, although I would be open to changing that if something had occurred in the mission that would have made that convenient. You have to understand that lots of these things I made and then altered slightly as the players went through them if it suited the game better. So it's not actually that the locals were so incompetent they couldn't figure out where the sound was coming from. It's actually that the staff were not uh, allowed to find out, quote-unquote, where the music was coming from and why the earthquakes were happening. The brothers were telling the truth when they said that they didn't know anything about the oil problems, although they did have some suspicions. Uh, Houston had them do some things for him. Specifically, Houston had the brothers annihilate a very particular kind of concrete. We're basically done with the brothers, so let's go and talk about Houston a little bit. Houston is the deputy of the town, and he and the sheriff were supposed to be the main characters, and they were for a lot of it, although a lot of their stuff never really got turned up. The oil problems that had happened once or twice in the past, as you may remember, were because the sheriff has a oil tap installed in a basement near the base of one of the oil pipes. When he was setting up the tap, there were some mistakes made because they didn't know quite what they were doing, which caused some very brief contaminations. Nothing to worry about too much. Houston and a few people in the town know this. They use this to get some supplementary cash for the town. Now, it's true that the sheriff was taking some of that money for himself, as well as some of the town money. I won't go over that part again, because I'm pretty sure I did go into a lot of detail on it. But Houston, Houston wasn't really a fan of that. <clears throat> he and the sheriff were in conflict about what should be 
done with the profits from this oil tap. Houston felt that not enough was being given to the town and that if the sheriff wasn't going to do it, he was. The sheriff kicked him off of being the deputy and so on and so forth. You already know that part. Houston decided to make his own oil tap. He knew that the one who had done it, the only one, in fact, who has the skill to do it or undo it, is POW87, the hapless robot. POW is very easy to strong-arm into doing whatever you want, so Houston strong-armed him into making another tap. Only problem is, he needed his own location, and unlike the sheriff, he couldn't get the townspeople to help him make a location. He only had himself and POW. He did know that the brothers were trying to collect crystal shards, so he gathered some crystal shards, gave them to the brothers, and had the brothers annihilate the concrete that was used to fill the old piping system. You may recall that the sheriff mentioned there were pipes under the town, but they had been filled with concrete. You may also remember, I had a clue for the players, and I feel like maybe I discouraged them a bit too much, that there were some pipes which were distinctly not filled with concrete, and that there was some mysterious powder in them. The players looked at the entrance, but decided not to go into the pipes. And like I said, maybe I should have encouraged them to do so a little bit more. But they did kind of come to their own decision not to do it, so I don't know. Anyways, Houston used those old pipes from the refinery to connect to the oil and make his own oil tap, which even the sheriff didn't know about. The sheriff didn't really have any reason to drive over to the old refinery, and, I mean, nobody does, honestly. There's probably bandits there. Anyways, unfortunately, POW is capable of installing the taps, but Houston is not capable of getting him the resources he needs to do it perfectly. So whenever he taps it for oil, it contaminates the oil pipeline. This is fucking up the whole town. Well, not really, but it causes scrutiny, which probably would end up fucking up the whole town. Fortunately, the players only ended up fucking up the brothers, um, and they have the money to rebuild, so it's not really a huge issue, I guess. But that is the main conflict with the oil. The sheriff is losing his mind trying to figure out why there's contaminants now, because he doesn't know that there's a second tap on the oil pipe run by Houston. Houston probably knows what's going on, but he doesn't care because he's not the deputy anymore. Also, he's fucking indestructible. You know, it's funny, now that I think about it, Joy was right. This town is corrupt and shitty. She didn't really do anything wrong. I mean, she did. Um, she, she killed a lot of people. She blew up the old sheriff. But she is right. Okay, let's talk about the real weird thing that nobody even really grasped at all. When the players were saying they wanted to x-ray every building, you may remember that I said, there's a lot of clues that I can tell them. Some of them I've decided to just not tell them because they probably wouldn't notice it at this distance, looking at this many things. They never actually x-rayed Houston. If they had, they would have seen something interesting. There are no bones connecting him to his left arm. This is because Houston does not have a left arm. You may also remember he had a poncho with holes in it, as well as the left arm being completely covered in gloves and sleeves and everything. There is a character who is central to this mission who was never revealed. His name is Fleeb. Fleeb is a mutant, a registered mutant, mind you. He is horrifically mutated. He is an arm with eyes and a mouth and some other organs jammed into the shoulder area. And because he has no vocal cord or lungs, all he can really do is say, Fleeb. However, he also has ungodly reflexes, coordination, and perception. Now, um, Fleeb does have a normal life, but he threw that away because 
it sucked. Not sucked in the sense that uh, it was bad, mind you. I mean, Alpha Complex is a horrible place, but if you are born abnormal in a way that's not treasonous, you are cared for very well. Fleeb had a job. I didn't decide what it was because I didn't care, which he did quite well and was suited for him, making use of his talents while not making it impossible to live his life due to his unusual nature. Fleeb used to be yellow clearance, which is alarmingly high for a registered mutant. Fleeb's interests lay with the Romantics, which he ended up joining for no real reason other than he thought it was interesting. Houston was also in the Romantics, as well as uh, most of the town, although most people in the town honestly didn't realize that they were in the Romantics. They just sort of joined and everyone was already doing whatever they're doing there, so they did it to fit in. We'll talk more about the uh, Romantics in a little bit. But anyway, Fleeb, Houston, and the Romantics. For a long time, Houston was a normal guy in the Romantics. He was a good shot, mind you, but he's a good shot with his right arm, not his left. His particular branch of the Romantics was, of course, obsessed with the Wild Wild West. And at one point in time, they came across an artifact. An artifact, which is a gun. Now, it turns out that Todwin is also a Romantic, as well as being pro-tech. Todwin is an unbearably snotty, snotty man. He wanted the gun, and so did everyone. But what would they do with the gun? Well, the Romantics don't like to just lock stuff up in vaults. That's really more of what Alpha Complex does. The Romantics want people to have and experience the old things. They want to restore the old things, bring them back. Now, Todwin's idea for this was to take the gun and reproduce it in massive, shitty quantities, basically making uh, terrible knockoffs of actual products, uh, distribute them in mass to make a ton of money, and then frame the gun on his wall, maybe. The Romantics were not entirely opposed to the idea, but it was certainly not a unanimous thing. They decided to do it in a way which the old people of Earth would have done. A cereal box prize. Anyone who could afford to ate lots and lots of cereal, looking for the box with the prize token in it. As it so happened, it was not Houston, it was not Todwin, it was Fleeb who got the gun. Fleeb, of course, can't do much with the gun on his own. I mean, sure, he can make use of it in some ways, but it's very difficult for him to do anything that's not watch TV or do his oddly specific jobs that he's assigned which require really good reflexes with a left arm and nothing else. Houston and Fleeb were friends, as it so happens, and they got an idea. Fleeb really couldn't make use of the gun. Houston could, but together they would be unstoppable. Thus, Houston removed his arm. Every time that he dies and comes back, he would hypothetically remove his arm again and reattach Fleeb. A lot of very interesting scenarios could happen. Hypothetically, the players could have killed Houston, but then his arm could have killed the players. Houston could come back and clean up before they knew what had happened, and they would be left wondering, why was his arm still moving when he was dead? They could have blown his arm off, and he could have said, No! Fleeb! Leaving them wondering what he means. Or, when he's deciding if he's going to give up the gun or not, he could have a secret conversation with his arm. Because the gun doesn't belong to him, it belongs to his arm. The poncho with holes allows Fleeb to see out of the shoulder area, and since his eyes are in horrific places, and he has more than two, he can see just about everything that goes on, even when Houston has his eyes closed, which is how he manages to do those perfect shots. 
That's also why you can't sneak up on Houston from behind. Well, uh, you can, but you can't sneak up on his gun arm from behind because the gun arm is Fleeb, and Fleeb will see. The mutant power makes Fleeb quite deadly, but the mutant power and the deception make him nearly unstoppable. It's funny, they could have used the lifeform analyzer on Houston and gotten some interesting readings from that as well. Anyways, that's the um, that's the, the big reveal. That's Houston's secret. And, you know, I kind of wanted to shoehorn it in there, uh, quite badly, in fact. But I think that it's kind of funny if the players play the rest of this campaign and end it not understanding. And then finally, at the very end, we get to tell them about this. For now, it's our secret. Just you and me and everyone else who's also listening to this. Um, well, those are the things that I wanted to talk about. Let me, um, look and remind myself what else there is. Ah, here's something that uh, might interest you. I usually do something like this, but I wrote out a much more specific section in my document called What I Imagine Will Happen. I actually haven't looked at this part since I started the mission, and that was, um, quite some months ago. Let's read it together and see what it says. One. Ram gets called in early to fill out paperwork, with options like every item in the game, would you like an external briefing officer, do you request a special order item, do you request rapid transit to from the mission location? Oh yes, I uh, must have wrote this before I even finished the mission. This must have been the first part that I wrote as I was putting my ideas together. Number two, everyone appears. Number three, your mission is to discover the source of oil contaminants. We can't find a pipe breach. Number four, They go towards the place. That's pretty accurate so far. Number five, Todwin intercepts them with the real objective, get me the gun. Next, Joy intercepts them with the real objective, get rid of the town. Next, they meet the sheriff, who will point them to the pump jack. There's nothing wrong with the pump jack. Next, the players will ideally look around town because they have so many, many objectives. If not, I will make them look around town. Yeah, that's... um... I guess after they went to the pump check, they went to the saloon. They did stop by the Emporium, though, to get some hats. I kind of wanted them to go to the bank early, but it didn't really matter too much, as it turned out. I was also hoping they would spend more time poking around the old refinery, but, uh, well, I've talked about that already. Next, I wrote, If they look in the wrong place too long, they might run into POW87, who will mention Houston, or the Bradley Brothers, or the old refinery, or something they need to do. That did sort of happen. I had them discover POW at the oil jack. That's a sort of instance where I didn't actually have it written where POW was hiding. I just knew that he was hiding around and that the players would probably discover him with some sort of skill check at some point if they needed a bump in the right direction. The next section of my notes says, The players should do these things in no particular order. Have a fun time in the saloon. Duel Houston for the gun and die. Think about why the town has all these little luxuries. I tried to mention mini-fridges and fans and things like that a couple times, but I guess nobody really thought anything of that. Uh, Maybe I should have pressed on that harder. Get a quest from Houston to find some dirt on the sheriff. That one happened. Find dirt on the sheriff. That one happened. Check out the Emporium, but get turned away from looking too hard. Break into the Emporium. Yeah, that sort of happened. I kind of thought that they would just sort of naturally be nosy around the Emporium and think that it has some interesting secrets, and that Ram would use that as a way to convince the players to help him break in to see what was going on. But Ram actually just kind of directly opened up and said, 
well, uh, I got a break in there, and it's going to be with a duel. I really wasn't expecting that uh, when I made the mission. I mean, I, I told him not to tell the players he was stealing the music sheet, and I did not tell him to not say any of the other parts. Play stupid games and win stupid prizes. And the final part of my notes here say, The final confrontation begins when they go to investigate the old refinery. Question mark. So I guess I wasn't too sure about that, and as it turns out, no, that didn't really happen. In the refinery, you enter the secret pipe. Yeah, well, they didn't do that. There is another secret hatch in the middle of the desert so that Houston can intercept you for dramatic purposes. That didn't happen. You must either kill Houston or befriend him to discover the secret tap. That didn't happen. If you find out that there is a secret tap, is your mission. Uh, I have some parts here that I don't understand. It says, But if you know the thing is there, isn't your mission done? Question mark. No, POW87 doesn't know where Houston set it up. So I guess I was thinking that maybe POW made the tap and gave it to Houston and Houston implemented the tap. Or that you would find it out from POW, maybe, and that that would be too easy. Um, I think that was just me brainstorming some stuff. And my last note says, The Bradley brothers shattered the concrete in the tunnel for Houston with a bunch of exclamation marks. Because that actually I didn't think of at first. It was just going to be unrelated stuff. But I found a nice way to make sure that everything in this mission was connected. Well, that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? What else is there to talk about? Light's mission was to find out how many robots are in the basement. Um, I'm not really sure if he did that. We'll talk about that more in his secret debriefing. Kyle's mission, I think that this one was fun. It was mysterious, but not too mysterious. Kyle did get frustrated, but that was because I think we split the mission up into so many chunks. The entire Levanc cult subplot... By the way, Levanc is Lee Van Cleef, as some people in the Discord figured out. Uh, maybe because I mentioned Lee Van Cleef at one point earlier when I was brainstorming this mission. And the reason he kept impersonating so many people and coming back every time he died was because he played so many villains in movies, and the romantics didn't really understand that. They thought he was a real person who became different people to commit many crimes. All of that was essentially just a background set dressing for Kyle to dig in and eventually figure out who is giving information to Archival Guy. Archival Guy was not in the town, unless... Maybe I found some really cool way for him to be in the town. Like I said, some of these things I'm willing to change depending on what happens. But my plan was mostly that he just recovers lots and lots of secrets. I didn't think at all about the players using him to get dirt on Joy. That was really interesting, and uh, I think that was cool. Ram's mission. I think we know enough about that one. Let's see, let's see. I believe I talked about Billy Bob. Billy Bob is basically there as a... Um, oh, I've mentioned this before. <sighs> I don't have a good term for it, but he's a uh, positive or negative character. As in one Call of Cthulhu game I ran, and in some previous missions, as I have mentioned, sometimes there are characters who exist who might be helpful to the players or might not be helpful, as the plot dictates. Bumbling sources of authority may get in the way, or they may help. If the players ended up in a fight and were getting murdered in a way they didn't really deserve, Billy Bob could help them. If the players were strong-arming someone a little too hard or getting a little too inquisitive about something, Billy Bob can stop them. He's there so that he can pop in suddenly to the scene at any time I deem fit without attaching that to the sheriff because the sheriff has his own motivations and Billy Bob really is more of a big meat wall. Ah, there's two more things which I want to talk about. Uh, I did not forget about these. I was saving them until last because I think they're quite interesting. Although, I don't know if anything can follow up on Fleeb. 
The first thing is the quiz show that didn't happen. The second thing is Jimmy. Uh, let's talk about Jimmy first because I'm going to make you unhappy. I won't be telling you too much about Jimmy. He still may be relevant depending on what happens. Uh, actually, he is still relevant because I've already done the secret debriefings um, and I know that people will learn a few things about him. I think that the players and listeners have generally gotten the right idea. Jimmy is someone who has some special status, which makes him somewhat immune. And he's also living a very secretive life to make sure that nobody decides to kill him anyways. He likes to torment certain people. You'll find out more someday. And if all the players die before they do find out, then I'll tell you, as with most of the other secret plot threads. In any case, let's talk a little bit about the quiz show. I've mentioned this, but I didn't go into it, and I'd like to read the questions for you because I think it's entertaining. The original plan is that the players would enter the basement when no one is there. When they do, the Bradley Brother security droid, who, as you may remember, Jimmy told them is blind, would say, Hello, Master Bradley, or Bradleys, and welcome back. The players would be forced to either not say anything and not reveal their voices, in which case the robot would become suspicious or reveal their voices, and that they don't sound like Bradley Brothers at all, in which case the robot would become suspicious. Of course, he's blind, so he can't see that they're not the Bradley Brothers, and as he would say, I rehearsed a couple of lines that he might say, as I do with characters who are going to need to say important things right on the moment. One of the things I thought that he was going to say would be something along the lines of, Ah, yes, I understand, of course. Sometimes there are cloning defects on the newest Bradleys. And naturally, with your sound-related research, there can be causes for changes in how I perceive your voice. Therefore, I shall activate your security password recovery protocol. He then activates the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire room. They sit down and play the game with some turrets pointed at them if they get too many questions wrong. So, let's play the Bradley Brothers quiz show. I'll ask the questions, you answer and keep score for yourself. Question 1. You chose Sector WWW due to all of the following features, except for A. Comp node access B. Low humidity C. Geological composition D. Population sparsity As you can see, the questions also shed some light on what the Bradley brothers have been doing in case the players don't know that by the time they get here. Of course, they also rely on the players knowing a little bit about the Bradley Brothers, otherwise they may have to use that phone a friend or pull the audience. The correct answer to question one is actually A, comp node access. They really don't care. I did have an entire scene prepared if the players were to somehow blow up the comp node or fall into the comp node by disintegrating the ground below them, but those scenes will remain a mystery for now. The low humidity and geology were necessary for their research, and the population sparsity was a nice bonus. Question 2. The emergency alternate exit, in case of elevator breakdown, leads to what location? A. Inside the bank vault. B. Northeastern jail cell. C. Saloon crawlspace. D. Old refinery drainage pipes. The answer to this, of course, is C. And you may remember that I didn't actually add this until later. I had a dumb question here that I honestly forgot what it was. It was so uninteresting that I was... Desperately trying to think of a way to make it better when we were actually doing the mission. And, uh, lo and behold, a better question appeared. So really, I guess that would just kind of be a free question, because I knew that the players knew. But considering that some of the other ones are really hard, they need a couple of freebies. 
Question 3. The comp node below the town and the facility is protected by all of the following devices, except for A. Gravity manipulator shell B. S-type field C. Skull displacement beam D. Sonic reflector array This question reveals a few interesting things. The answer is not D, because it is equipped with a sonic reflector array, because Alpha Complex does know what they're doing, and they do protect their comp nodes. They are very efficient at that. The answer is also not A, Gravity Manipulator Shell, because, uh, well, not because, but so that if they do disintegrate all the ground below them and between them and the comp node, the comp node will actually use the gravity shell to levitate the players and the bits of the town which fall down in a big floating mess. They would all bob around helplessly, and, um, well, someone would show up and probably kill them. Uh, it would be pretty bad, but also very funny. And having this as part of the question gives them the lead-up to the punchline of the joke, which I didn't get to make, but that's okay. The correct answer is either B or C, whichever one I feel like, because I'm the Game Master, and I need to make sure that the players have a fair chance of winning. So although the correct answer is actually B, they do not have an S-type field, if the players had said Skull Displacement Beam and they had already gotten two questions wrong, I would have said, that's okay, they do actually have an S-type field, they don't have a Skull Displacement Beam. So what I'm saying is the correct answer is B, but this one was... um specifically non-vital to the lore of the area so that I can change it if I really have to uh, to give the players another chance to live. The final question is a very strange one, and uh, the difficulty spike of this is the reason why I have so many uh, prefaces in place to make sure they can at least make it here and have a chance. Question four. The organ tuner frequency, which has two physical locking mechanisms, is what? A. 37.2 hertz, aka concrete resonance frequency. B. 69.3 Hz, a.k.a. crystal resonance frequency. C. 7 Hz, a.k.a. calcium resonance frequency. D. 400 Hz, a.k.a. glass resonance frequency. Can you guess it? I already sort of gave you a hint earlier in this episode. The answer is C. Calcium. That is because if you resonate calcium with the organ tuner, you will destroy the bones of everyone within several miles. The crystal answer is the red herring. They do want to research the crystals, they do want to find the resonance frequency, but they did not put a double locking mechanism on setting their organ to that frequency because, well, a single will suffice. The double on calcium is so that they don't kill themselves and everyone around them. Question five. Yes, there is actually a fifth one. Freeform answer. What is a brother? I just put this one in there because I think it's funny. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Paranoia. Fight together or die a clone. Next week, we should get back to secret debriefings. And after that, well, we'll find out. If you have any more questions about this mission, you can join the Discord and ask them there. I will be answering anything that uh, you have to ask me about, as long as it's not about the things which I said I wouldn't be answering. Or anything else you can think of which I don't want to answer. As I mentioned previously, go fuck yourself, I'm the Game Master.